I am that person. I have never been scared, freaked out. I do not care what's happening in the economy. As far as like my, how do I say, as far as like me continuing to work in real estate, I'm never going to exit the industry. It's just a matter of shifting your strategy. So when I first got started and even several years ago, for example, I was buying a lot of multi-million dollar single family homes at the same time. Like now because of the shifting economy, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go buy 10 at the same time. I might buy one and then focus on low to middle income properties, but it's always a good time to invest in real estate. You guys, it's just a matter of, I always say we make our money when we buy. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today with another incredible guest, Amy Majuri. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We met back in Las Vegas at a conference last year and just been an incredible watching you and and seeing your journey and what you're doing and helping so many people in the real estate game. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Excited to chat with you today. I am really excited as well, as I said already like three times. So, you know, it's true. You know, I'd love for you to give a, a little background to our guests, our listeners, rather. They're all guests because everyone who listens to the show is really like a guest, in my opinion. But our listeners, to what's been your background? I know you have been on HGTV. A lot of people know who you are. You have a great following. You're a coach. You are a real estate investor, a lender. And really, I mean, what struck me and why I really wanted to speak with you more and have this interview is I was blown away by your presentation at the conference, at the Real Estate Domination Conference. And I usually, when I go to conferences, I don't, especially when I'm there as a speaker, I don't spend a lot of time listening to a lot of the other speakers just because, you know, I'm for the networking, I'm there for, you know, not necessarily for the education, but, you know, what you were saying was just like riveting. I couldn't leave my seat. I was literally totally engrossed the whole time. Thank you. I got goosebumps. That means so much coming from you. I appreciate that. It's funny because I was preparing a presentation last night for this for next week. And I'm like, do I do the same one? Do I mix it up a little bit? It's actually the same except for one slide. So that makes me feel so much more confident going into next week. Thank you. But yeah, you know, my background, it's pretty traditional. You know, like many people out there, I was raised in a very my background is Middle Eastern and in our culture, traditionally culture holds education at a very high standard. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm the only one in my family with an MBA. Everyone else is a doctor or a lawyer or they have their PhD. So I was raised to go to school, get good grades, go to college, go to grad school, and then stay in the corporate job for the next 25 years, right? right? Collecting that stable, secure paycheck till I retire. So it was 10 years ago. So that's what I started out to do. I got the one and only job offer I got out of undergrad was with Dell Computers in Austin, Texas. I was with Dell. I still can't believe it for 14 years. And 10 years ago, I heard an ad on the radio and it was like, give us all your money. We'll teach you how to flip houses. (laughs) I was like, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) And so I did it. And that's how I got started. And I never thought it would have a snowball effect and end up where I am today. But I love it. It's cool. It's been a journey is you can probably relate to many highs and lows. But you know, it's, 
I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And there's such a powerful, you know, moment, like aha moment that people have when you're in your corporate job, you never really think about, I'm sure you weren't brought up like thinking about real estate investing and and, financial freedom, financial independence, because when you're, you know, when you're taught that you go to school, get good grades, get a job, you know, et cetera, you're, you're trained to kind of stay in your lane and be safe, like take the safe path right? The most least resistance. Yeah, it was, I can talk about it now without getting emotional, but it took me a long time to get to this point. You know, the first two years of my real estate career, my dad never even talked to me about real estate. It was always like, what's going on with life? How are your friends? He never talked about work. And if he did in that first year, it's when I was juggling both jobs, Dell and real estate, and he always talked about Dell. And so my dad, you know, later he ended up becoming my biggest cheerleader, but he didn't acknowledge it. He was not supportive. And I found out, you know, he was just scared. My mm-hmm. brother had pursued entrepreneurship, he did not succeed. My cousin pursued it, did not succeed, succeed. And, you know, but once he finally realized, I mean, I was on HGTV and I was turning six-figure profits, many losses too. But during that time, my dad still, you know, was not supportive. So I remember getting that phone call. It was a Monday night. I was at my aunt's house in Chicago. Whenever my phone rings, if it says dad sell, somebody died or there was an accident because it's always mom who calls and gives the phone to dad. Mm -hmm. I was like, why is dad calling? I picked up the phone and this gets me emotional, but I won't cry. But he said the very first words out of his mouth were, I'm so proud of you. I didn't think you could do it. And I was like, oh my God, I think I probably started crying back then. And then he came to Chicago, met my team, walked my projects. And ever since then, he's been my biggest cheerleader. So, but yeah, it was not ever anything that I anticipated. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, also, I mean, HGTV has this kind of connotation to it where people think, oh, it's just people kind of showing all of the the great things that happen and look, make it look so easy. And I'm sure they frame it that way in order to kind of get more viewers, obviously. But I mean, from your perspective, having gone through it and being on the other side, like talk about what that's like. Yeah. You know, it was pretty cool because really the only, it really wasn't scripted. They let us play it out how we chose, but they did like conflict. They were like, Amy, you be a little bit more like this. And Sean, you'd be a little bit more like that. Don't always agree on everything. So there were things that we were saying that we really felt, but we had to like dig deep to try to find those conflicting viewpoints. Mm -hmm. But it was really fun. You know, I did a four part series with them where they followed my transition out of corporate America into, you know, entrepreneurship and displayed several projects. And I got to do a few episodes with my husband, Sean, and I've become very good friends with the producer of the show. And she's like a big sister to me and we keep in touch and I'm always sending people her way. So that has been an experience. And that was very early on in my career, which I'll always be grateful for. That's awesome. Well, now, and you know, going back to what I was talking about, about the presentation you gave in Las Vegas, now you're focused a lot on you know, helping people and coaching people in raising private capital, raising money for real estate investing, as well as for real estate you know, lending and things like that. That to me is something that so many people, and when you talk about it, like we all have like this fear, like these emotions, like we have to overcome, like I can't ask someone else for money. I mean, to me personally, that's been my biggest fear. I worked as a fundraiser for a nonprofit for years and it was so difficult. But as now that I'm also working, you know, in raising money for real estate deals, it's still very difficult. So how do you go about, I mean, I want to get some, some free coaching lessons right now, really. (laughs) You know, so it's very normal to have that kind of fear. 
And the most common, you know, reason or excuse that I hear is, I don't want to ask that person for money. I don't want them to think they're doing me a favor. And for me, we have many strengths and weaknesses, right? I'm very good at raising money because I'm just good at building rapport and trust with people. I never knew this was just a natural skill set that I had, which is why like, I'm terrible at marketing, for example. But two years ago at the height of COVID, when all live events shut down and my husband and I were just sitting at home with our one-year-old daughter, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just start helping people raise money? Because so many people have asked me for help and it still boggles my mind that there are that many people you know, who need help raising money. And so it just starts with confidence, right? Like once you really believe that you are presenting others with an amazing opportunity to invest with you and earn double digit returns backed by real estate and you make that mindset shift, that's step one. You're not going to have a problem approaching people. Mm -hmm. Sure, you want to know how to explain how you analyze deals and explain your power team to them and explain your buying criteria, You know, go through all your credibility pieces. But once you understand who you are, what you're doing, and why you're doing it, that'll give you a good start. Sure. I mean, and you break it down so systematically, but you know, it's having confidence. I mean, that's like the first step, right? Just being confident, having that mindset shift, that paradigm shift almost where you're not viewing that I'm trying to sell someone on something or I'm trying to get someone to give me their money. You're really helping people. You're really offering an opportunity that so many people don't even know exists. And I think that's where the biggest kind of block for a lot of people is. We think, oh, well, everyone knows about real estate and everyone knows that they can do this. So what am I going to offer them that they can't already find on their own? No, you're absolutely right. And that's something I talk about whenever I speak is the number one reason why everyone in this country is not acting as a private money lender, assuming they're in a position to do so, is because they're simply not educated on it, right? So it's so funny because I am very systematic. That's how I learn and that's how I teach my students. Mm -hmm. But there are so many coaches and educators out there, many of them who I'm friends with, who teach private money at a very high level. They'll give you like a presentation or like a script, but they don't go into the weeds, the details, like, what do you say if you're talking to someone from Wall Street managing hedge funds, like versus your Uber driver, right? So those conversations look very different. So I break it down to that level of detail. But at the end of the day, it's, it is having systems, it is having scripts, it is understanding that, hey, in the bank in the stock market, you know, you're not getting some are getting double digit returns, but they're not getting the security, right? The collateral, the property, they're not getting insurance. We always insure our private money lenders by adding them to our policies. So that right there, even if you're getting less than double digit returns, you know, the security and insurance is huge. Wow. I mean, the systems, I think is the biggest thing. And like you said, people don't necessarily have systems. They don't have the scripts. They don't have that system to get in place. I mean, are these things that you've developed on your own or kind of taken from others? Have you had coaches also along the way to do that or is really kind of just things you've developed? No, I'm very proud to say these are all, you are not going to find these strategies anywhere else. They are very unique. I've developed them all. And none of my coaches taught me this stuff. Like I've had coaches who gave me a presentation, you know, that's pretty much it. But You know, back in the day, I never really talk about it, but I wrote a book on networking, how to network with intent and purpose to really achieve what you want in life. And as I was creating this private money coaching program, I realized all these trust and rapport building strategies that I'm teaching everyone, a lot of them come from my book. You know, it's just how to be a good person, how to genuinely care about others, you know, think about giving first, expecting nothing in return, right? The law of reciprocity will find its way back to you. 
But a lot of the times I tell people, I can give you a hundred scripts. You don't need a script. Just be a normal person. Like just don't freak yourself out. If you know what you're doing, you don't even need me to hold your hand. Just go talk to the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, but you're talking about also with this kind of strategy that, that you've implemented. And I remember talking about in the conference, you're talking about approaching people like you mentioned just a minute ago, your Uber driver, right? Like you're talking to people that aren't necessarily your friends and family, which are the easiest, I think, well, easiest and hardest, I would say to approach about investing or money. So, but how do you do that? Maybe tell me how you feel in terms of the difference between raising money from your friends and family, or maybe at the beginning, what that was like versus, you know, you're approaching your Uber driver. Well, thank you for bringing that up because that is one thing that I really pride myself on, which sets me apart from, you know, other coaches is I'm going to tell you not to target friends and family only because when I started 10 years ago, I still am working on this. I have a very stubborn side. And as I mentioned earlier, friends and family members were not supportive. So to myself, I was like, forget it. I don't need your help. I'm going to go figure it out on my own. And so I... Still to this day, I've maybe invested with less than a handful of friends and family members, not because it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. But yeah, it's anytime you're out to dinner or in an Uber at the airport, the minute we leave our house, everyone we encounter is a prospective private money lender. And it always starts, those of those who've heard me speak are familiar with a four-second power pitch that I have, which is lit, it's 13 words. You know, so like if you're in an Uber, sometimes I like to talk, sometimes I don't. In the beginning, when I was raising money, I, I would force myself to talk. And if the Uber driver, for example, wasn't you know chatty, I would ask him or her, hey, you know, what do you do outside of Uber? It's so nice to meet you. Just so he or she would ask me what I do, just right. so I can go into that four-second power pitch, which is I show people how to earn double-digit returns backed by real estate. So, but I don't sound robotic, right? It's right. like, oh, not a big deal. I work in real estate and, you know, I show people how to earn double digit returns and it's <laughs> backed by real it's estate, almost, but it's you know, like so nonchalant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's how it starts. Cause he's going to be like, what? Tell me more. And then that's when you just, you know, keep dangling carrots and planting seeds. And so we don't want to say, Oh, I got a project, you know, happening next month. Yeah. You got a hundred thousand. Like that's we're never going to ask for the money until we've had several phone calls, meetings, conversations. Sure. So I want to just clear clear up here some. You keep going back to private money lending, and for a lot of our listeners, we're very familiar with. I know my listeners at least are very familiar with like the real estate world in terms of syndications and investing yeah. passively into something like that. How is that different from what you? are offering in terms of private money lending? Because it is a little bit different than investing as a limited partner in a syndication, for example, right? Okay, so that is the... F- thank you. You know, I've been criticized for saying, that's such a great question, but that is a great question. You know, <laughs> so thank you for asking. Okay, so when I talk about... I'm going to answer that question in two ways. Number sure. one, when I talk about private money, I'm not talking about hard money because technically that's private equity, right? I'm not talking about the investor-friendly banks. I'm not talking about banks at all. And I'm not talking about somebody brokering a deal. Now, nothing is wrong with that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about anyone and everyone who has cash or assets collecting dust. Now, number two, I'm going to teach you guys how to raise the money. As much money as you would like, I show you how to do it. Now, how you choose to deploy it is on you. Mm. If you want to go syndicate, then sure, I have resources. Call Nick, my securities attorney. He'll help you with your paperwork, right? So I don't get involved in structuring deals or determining their investment strategy, but 
It's for anything related to real estate. You want to go buy short-term rentals. You want to start a hard money lending company. You want to generate, you know, referral fees, go buy strip mall. So I basically, I solve the money problem and it's your choice and how you choose to deploy it. Okay. Awesome. So I'm glad you clarified that because it sounds almost like it's different because people kind of stay in one lane and they think about, okay, I'm going to raise money for X and that's it. And they don't really think, okay, well, there's actually a lot of options out there and maybe different people are interested in different ways to deploy their money. And so, I mean, are you talking more like creating a fund of some kinds and then deploying it separately? Yeah, that's an option too. creating a slush fund, not necessarily like a multifamily syndication. But this is what's so crazy. So, Yona, I've been doing this for 10 years. And until a year ago, everybody would ask me, what's the one thing you wish you would have done differently? And I would always say nothing, like even my lowest of lows. I'm like nothing. It got me to where I am today. But in April of last year, I was speaking at an event in Vegas. I don't remember if you were there or not, but it was crazy. I stepped off stage. And the individual hosting the event approached me and said, would you like to raise money for me? And I was like, no, because I'd never even thought about raising money for other people. I was like, no, thanks. Like, that's not what I do. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, hello, you just got approached by like this amazing person. Why wouldn't you become their capital partner? Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It's the simplest like mindset shift, right? But when you know how to raise money, you guys are going to have more money coming in than you need. So why wouldn't you start to align yourself with other credible investors who need capital and become their equity partner, right? So now whenever I raise money for this individual, I'm getting 25% equity in all of this person's deals just for raising money that I'm doing every day anyways. And those are all opportunities I missed out on the first nine years. So I share this with you because, yes, there are so many strategies, but lately people have been coming to me saying, I don't know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. Do I flip? Do I wholesale? Everyone's doing short-term rentals now. And I keep saying, don't even worry about it. Regardless of what you do, we need money. So learn how to raise the money and then you'll get to pick and choose which opportunities you want to invest in, whether they're by yourself or as a partner with someone. That's such an awesome skill. I mean, you... You talked about earlier how you found kind of almost by accident that this was a skill that you had really, you know, almost like a natural ability. Yeah. And yet at the same time, you're training other people to do the same thing. I mean, do you find that this is something that everyone has within them, like even introverts and people like that? Or is it something that there are certain types of personalities or dispositions that lend themselves to this type of work more than others? I have a lot of introverts in the group and anyone can do it. And I'm going to sound like a broken record again, but when you have someone holding your hand, when you have a script, I have scripts for introverts. I have scripts for extroverts, right? I like literally any script you can think of. When I see the introverts, for example, read a script, practice it on our calls, like their eyes light up and that's making their confidence go up, right? So even though they're an introvert in this one part of their life and their business, they're very confident because they know what they're doing. They're seeing results. They have right. they have a trusted source, right? So no, it's for anyone. Is I always say it's easier said than done, right? When you know what you're doing, it's easy. But it's like, <laughs> let me show you the light and anyone can raise money. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you know what you're doing, it takes practice. It takes a lot of work <laughs> yeah, to really get course. good at it for sure. Yeah. And look, not everyone's successful. Not even everyone I've coached has been successful with 100% confidence. So I'll tell you it's because they didn't do everything, right? Maybe they were in a state of mind where they were just feeling like it was a low point, right? We all have that. So yeah, those opportunities will present themselves. And you know what you guys choose to put in is what you'll get out. Oh, so true. 
you know, before we get jump into the final four here, because the time is flying by, but I just did want to ask you, like, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years. Have you seen like now that the market is kind of shifting in a lot of ways? A lot of people are scared right now. A lot of people about what's going to be happening in real estate. There's so much fear going on in the media and whatnot, but still, you know, the terms are, are harder. The financial systems, I mean, are you pulling back at all or are you pushing forward? No, I am that person. I have never been scared, freaked out. I do not care what's happening in the economy. As far as like my, how do I say, as far as like me continuing to work in real estate, I'm never going to exit the industry. It's just a matter of shifting your strategy. So when I first got started and even several years ago, for example, I was buying a lot of multi-million dollar single family homes at the same time. Like now because of the shifting economy, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go buy 10 at the same time. I might buy one and then focus on low to middle income properties. But it's always a good time to invest in real estate, you guys. It's just a matter of, I always say we make our money when we buy. So as long as we are buying right, right below market value, it doesn't matter if there's a recession, if there's economic downturn. We just have to be conservative, know how to run numbers, know our market, right? And you can always make money and lose money, but it doesn't matter what is happening in the economy as long as you know how to shift your strategy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I think a lot of people... (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. I think a lot of people would agree with that statement also. But I do want to transition now. We call the final four, Amy. These are four questions I ask all my guests. So first question to you is, what's the worst job that you ever had? The worst job I had? So my one and only job was like real job was at Dell Computers. And the worst part of it was towards the end of my career there when I was managing, I was based out of the US, but I was managing all of our European accounts. So I had to wake up at two in the morning. So those were my hours, two in the morning to 10 a.m. I mean, I guess that's not as bad as it could be, but that would be the, you know, it was the most challenging time in my early 30s, getting up at two in the morning, (laughs) sometimes getting home at two in the morning and then having to work. So yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. I mean, I work, yeah. I work on crazy time times also, but, but nothing like that. Second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah, this is an oldie but a goodie. Jim Collins from Good to Great. That is a book I read in grad school and it's been around forever, but I actually talk about it and I quote him often because he really helped me understand and prioritize like building your power team. And one thing he says continuously in his book is, First, focus on getting the people on the bus, right? Mm -hmm. Like your A-plus players, and then worry about shuffling them around and getting them into the right seat. So as long as you focus on building your team of strong individuals, you'll find a place for them in your organization. That's awesome. That makes sense. And that's an excellent book as well. We've had it mentioned a couple of times before, and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes for anyone who wants to check out Good to Great by Jim Collins. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? And this could be anything. A skill or talent I would like to learn. I'm laughing because my husband just walked in and I'm like, okay, so this is actually, it is nothing to do with work. This is like, I'm always wandering around the house, like singing. And I wish I could sing. He'll probably tell you I need to learn how to dance, but I've always wanted to be like a Broadway singer and I cannot sing at all. Like I will do karaoke, but I'm terrible, but don't get me lessons because I'm too embarrassed. See, this is a shy side. Like as extrovert as I am, like I will never take singing lessons or sing in public, but that's something I'd like to work on or be able to do. There you go. Well, now the challenge is out there. (laughs) Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? Yeah, that is like a tough question for me. So 
to me, I just feel like success is number one, being able to do something that you love. I always tell people, like, I don't feel like I'm working, but, and my mom hates it when she hears me say that because to an outsider, I'm working 24 seven, but I don't feel like it because I really love it. Like it's just so much fun. So that's number one, being, you know, fortunate enough to do what you love every single day. And then number two is sure, like to me, success is also being able to experience things in life, right? It's not so much monetary, but being able to, my husband and I, we love to travel abroad. So international vacations, experiencing things more with our daughter, like last year, we took her to Disneyland twice. And so I would say doing what you love and just experiencing more things while we have the time. That's what success means to me. That's awesome. And when you have the freedom, you know, to do that, that's really just, you have the choices, you have the ability to do that and just yeah, absolutely. do what you love doing. I mean, that's living, living the best life, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, it's really been a pleasure catching up, Amy. And I mean, I'm sure our audience loved this episode. I certainly did. And I would, you know, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Sure. So I respond to all my social medias, DMs, primarily on Instagram. So if you guys want to connect with me on Instagram, I'm pretty good at responding to everyone. It's just at Amy Majori. And I would love to hear from you and help you however I can. Well, there we go. We will put that in the show notes. Make sure to reach out to Amy. She responded to me on Instagram. So so there you go. She's going to respond to you guys also. <laughs> all right. Thank well, you, Yona. I really appreciate you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Amy. And to, thanks to our listeners for tuning in once again, all the way to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.